0: So, how do we help our teams reach their full potential without burning out? My name is Chester Elton, and I'm here with my wonderful friend and co-author, Adrian Gostick.
1: Well, thank you, Chess. Yeah, we all know it's a delicate balancing act to generate better performance from your team. You know, to retain talent, all without inducing higher levels of stress and anxiety. That's what we're going to examine today. We hope the time you spend with us will help reduce the stigma of anxiety at work and in your personal life.
0: And with us today is our dear friend Bob Glazier. Bob is the founder and CEO of Acceleration Partners and the co-founder and chairman of Brand Cycle. He is a serial entrepreneur and Bob has a passion for helping individuals and organizations build their capacity to elevate. His new book is Elevate Your Team and was published March 7th of this year. Bob shares his ideas and insights by a Friday Forward, a popular weekly inspirational newsletter that reaches more than 200,000 people. One of one is me, actually. I love your newsletter, Bob. And he is also the host of the Elevate Podcast. Bob, we're delighted to have you on our humble podcast. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Maybe I should just call it a Bobcast. I (laughs) I like that. I like that. Yeah. It's too self
2: oriented. I only have people named Bob on. I don't know.
1: Uh, No, I like you because one of the great things about your your newsletter is that when it comes in, it's not only great, but I also know it's Friday. So it's always a good day. So yeah. yeah. Hey, so start us out. Talk a little bit about some of the ideas from your new book. You talk about capacity building and in different ways. You talk about spiritual to emotional to physical. So walk us through this idea and why leaders today, after all that we've been through, need to be capacity builders.
2: Yeah, so I, I took the same framework from Elevate, uh, and I talk a little bit in the opening book about how realizing kind of having this epiphany because I was struggling with a with a work problem and realized I had sort of already developed this framework of of spiritual, intellectual, physical, capacity. How, how do we make ourselves better holistically and our people better holistically and get the work benefit of that and then get the benefit outside of work? And I know a lot of people really kind of embrace that from... From Elevate, and have thought a lot about that as a leadership development kind of framework, and, and and that was how it was sort of identified. You know, it's interesting because timing. You know, sometimes timing is it's everything. If I had written this book two years ago, I wonder, you know, if the reaction might have been been different. But you know, we're looking at a world now where we're coming off this kind of steroid era of growth, uh, infused by a lot of free money, which I just don't think is is coming back we're two to three years into a pandemic and people are kind of just tired and, and burned out. And what I see is a lot of companies are actually playing defense. You know, 2023 is not about plan for the best. It's plan for the worst and hope for the best and and try to get through it. And I think we all know that organizations and people have to grow. But I think a result of those things, people like growth is kind of a dirty word right now. If someone came in and Elon Musk, you know, tried this a little bit with, hey, we're going to work super hard and going to quarter, of the people quit the next day, but came in and said, you know, we're going to grow 300% next year. I think of people would be like, oh God, like I, please no. Um, and, and that's because this growth has felt like a little win lose. Um, it's a little, the analogy I use, which again, seems ridiculous is some of the growth companies, it, it just didn't matter how many people were destroyed in the process or replaced of getting to the growth objective. That's kind of like if NASA sent a spacecraft, to Mars and all the astronauts died on it. No one's going to be like, yeah, yeah, yeah they made it to Mars, right? Everyone's dead, but but, but the craft made it. it. Doesn't doesn't actually make any sense. So, I, I think the framework is really interesting in terms of how do we think about these things as as team and organizational principles, so that we can focus on getting back to growth. But growth, if, if you picture a wave and 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 you can see this, but the audience can't, like like, how do we get our people riding on the wave and not crushed by the, the the wave of growth? And I think I try to share a blueprint for that from helping your leaders orient around their values and figuring out what they're good at in spiritual capacity to developing a cultures of, of feedback and learning and growth, which is what a lot of people want to restoring some boundaries in the workplace. Now that we all have hybrid work and work from home and like understanding that people need a break in physical and mental capacity. And then an emotional, like, what does it look like for an organization that's really embraces psychological safety holistically and focuses on the things that it controls and and, and teaches people to focus not on the you know to stop worrying about the things outside the organization's control.
0: Yeah. So you covered a lot of stuff there. I love the wave analogy. You know, I uh, grew up in British Columbia right by the ocean and the undertow was yeah. the thing you always worried about. You had a nice wave undertow. That'll kill you. Right. So you talked about leaders coming close to burnout, teams coming close to burnout and building that culture. So so walk us through how do you build that culture that doesn't push people to the brink?
2: Yeah, so really the again if I if I go in order I think the foundational if you believe in Jim Collins' definition of sort of a level 4 level 5 leader that that is going to be built from a deep sense of of authenticity and self-awareness, right? So helping people, you know, figure out their personal core values, their strengths, the things that they're good at and saying, "Look, we might have standards for how we want leaders to act in our organization, but you you are going to be a, your own type of leader, and so we're, we're going to help you actually figure this stuff out. I doing this work with teams and leaders. I've seen so many aha moments that go back to deep childhood things that are defining someone's leadership style. Like they had a violation of trust, you know, earlier in their childhood, and they have trust is just super important in that. Their whole life has been about can I trust people or not trust people in their small groups of friends, and someone on their team. Is five minutes late to a meeting, can't be found at four o'clock in the afternoon, you know, kind of, you know, misses an assignment. And that's like deep, like this person can't be trusted. And when you actually talk to the leader, they're like, Oh yeah, that person's in a penalty box, the key's thrown out, and they're never getting out of it. Like they didn't even realize that they were doing that. And and I don't I think these things are real. I don't I don't think they're gonna change. So I think a leader who trust is that important would learn to sh- go to their team and say, "Look, guys, like trust is super important to me, and I and you have it on my team until you lose it. And here are the ways that trust is built with me, and here are the ways that you know trust is damaged. And again, starting, you know, that that that's one piece of it. Um, but you know, we can go through each of them. But I think there are, you know, I, I walk through that same framework in terms of again, how how do, how do you build teams and 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 organizations where the focus is on building the person as the mechanism to growth.
0: Yeah, building the person. I mean, a great way to to summarize what you just said there. I just wanted to jump in really quick and say, one of the reasons Bob is one of our favorite guests on this podcast is because he used a hockey analogy right there. In the penalty box, of course, there isn't a key in the penalty box, so you almost got it right. But in the penalty box, throw away the key, you, you, you're it done. Might
1: have, it might have been like field hockey or something. <laughs> I don't know. Of <laughs> hockey, <yeah. laughs>
0: I love it because floor hockey. Maybe High Lie has penalty I, boxes. N- another example know, right?
2: someone on, and this was an example <laughs> in the book of uh, 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 a fictional person, Andrew, who is not fictional, but but, but to <laughs> protect it, yes. Um, who actually going through this process realized that self-awareness was a core value and, and, and that was a core value because they had a parent whom they loved, but just, you know, it was kind of a source of embarrassment, you know, just couldn't read a room, kind of not saying the right thing at the right time, maybe drink too much, just, you know, and and so anyone on their team showed any signs of, of lack of self-awareness. And again, they were all over them. They didn't even realize they were doing it. They didn't know they were doing it. It's that's not going to change for them. In fact, I think like it's easier to lean into that. But again, go to their team and say, look, self-awareness is really important to me. Like it's something that, you know, I will work on with you and it's important to me and otherwise. And to me, that's that that's like authentic leadership and, and, and leaders understanding who they are, that they are going to lead from their core and their values and 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 kind of leaning into that.
1: So, so people listening right now, Bob, are going, okay. You're you're preaching to the choir here. I believe everything you're saying. My CEO still doesn't get this. Um, in fact, Chester and I, we work with a lot of organizations, and you know, often they'll go. You know, I was, I was recently working with a big multi billion dollar organization. The CEO says, "Look, we, we want to grow ten percent next year," and and I and he says, "Look, we got to. I want you to come and tell everybody how how they got to get excited about this." They have and, and to get excited. Yeah. Right? Yeah, my, yeah, my point. Yeah, my point was: why do they care? And it's funny. The HR person told me after the call. She says nobody's ever asked him that. You know, why yeah. would everybody else care? So we know obvious. why you care. It's so obvious when I hear that. Yeah, that, it's yeah. The first thing I think of. So, yeah. so what do we do if my my boss doesn't get it, but I'm getting lots of pressure?
2: Yeah, look, there's certain things that that really have to come from the top down, and that I I think it's really hard. I think a lot of the practices in this book really can become uh, the culture of a team or thinking about, again, as a team leader, how do you build your leaders? How do you create psychological safety within your team? How do you create some like space back you know for teams that are and so they feel like they have a life outside of work I I think all of those things actually can be done on the team level I think they're better if it's it's at the organizational level but yeah eventually people need to understand why you know why it matters to them I I always say like if you really want to get excited about people growing you know 30% profit this year like have a profit sharing pool you know or doubling the value of your company make sure they have a lot of equity again back to Elon Musk i i think one of the reasons why the playbook didn't work was like look we're not putting anything on the moon we're not building cool new cars like I, we, we, what are we getting excited about making you more money like i <laughs> like you're the richest guy in the world it's not it's not fundamentally interesting to us so uh i you know this goes into some of my other books but i think you, you know you need to have a compelling vision for the team you need to have you know values and why people want to be part of it Some of this work, though, this is the ultimate. I hate the word win-win because it's so trite. I wish someone could replace maybe mutually beneficial outcomes, which sounds boring (laughs) and super beneficial. But a lot of what I'm talking about in this book are things that really benefit the company and the individual at the same time. And so I think that does solve a lot of the what's in it for you. Like, we're really going to work on these things like because... Uh, our organization needs it, but I I think it's really cool when people Chester and I were talking you know before the show. It is not like someone has terrible sleeping habits, is exhausted, horrible with money, short tempered, and they show up at work. And all of those things aren't true, right? So, <laughs> and now they don't even have to walk to the office and get dressed and be a different person. They're just logging on. So a lot of these things around. Productivity, schedule, healthy behaviors and habits. and th- they're, they're, I, I think people can become better spouse, parents. Like, I, I think these issues are probably pervasive. If you're horrible at prioritization, you're probably really bad at that in your whole life. If your morning routine is waking up and watching the news until you like feel horrible about yourself, like, <laughs> that, in fact, there's no way that that doesn't impact your work day and your personal day at the same time.
0: Yeah, what you, what you put in your brain first thing in the morning really is yeah, it's important. like food. And, yeah yeah absolutely so you talked about psychological safety you know we talk a lot about you know mental safety yeah and how that influences cultures as well so in other words why should leaders care more about the effect that they're having on their people's well-being you talked about that a little bit uh, tie it up for us that really that immediate supervisor that manager that has a huge impact on people's uh, well-being and their their mental yeah. Safety, isn't it? But, but by the way, talking about mental
2: health and all this stuff in the workplace and then having horrible leaders who damage people's mental health <laughs> is completely... Incongruous. So, uh, let's get into some very specific examples. The behavior that you—not what you say—the behavior that you model as a leader is what people do. So, if I say I'm going on vacation, and I you get my out of office, and it says, "Hey, I'm on vacation with my family this week. If you need me, call me, text me, email me, reach me. I'm available. You know, whatever you need." Like, and I'm the CEO of the organization. That sends a clear message to everyone else that a vacation is not a vacation, and you are expected to be available. There was another email I saw from from someone who managed a, a, a venture fund who said, "I'm going on vacation this week. Um, this time is really important to my family. Uh, if it's a real emergency, text my wife and she'll know how to reach me, <laughs> or or email me at interruptmyvacation at <laughs> So I love it. that's a leader who's signaling uh, to their team that like your time off is your time off. And again, <laughs> I, 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 I believe and I think the data would show that people working like crazy and not having a break, they're going to be more exhausted. Like they're not as good. So yeah. like restore that separation. Similarly, super easy tactic. Talk about it in the book. For the last five years, I have used delayed delivery on emails, most of yeah. the emails that I send out of work hours, particularly if they are to people, and I don't mean this pejoratively, but subordinate in the organization. Because I think if the CEO sends a junior person an email on a Saturday, like they feel a need to r- respond, right? So anything that I send on the weekend, or if I want to delete my emails out on a Saturday morning, it all goes out at 8 or 9 a.m. on Monday morning. The upside of that is that I can be sound asleep at 8 a.m. on Monday morning and I look like I'm cranking away uh, productivity. (laughs) But I think think people, they appreciate that. They appreciate Uh a little bit of like, this isn't urgent, it's all the time. I I have always believed that employees that have healthy lives outside of work that are training for events and marathon, like anyone tells me they're training for a marathon, a triathlon, I'm like, awesome. Like how is their performance not gonna be better? Like from getting themselves into that sort of, Mental and physical kind of state. Uh, so I, I, I just I think it's we need to restore some boundaries. Like the data is clear that since people started working from home, they're just the boundaries have gone to yeah bleep. uh And and I think it's making people tired and anxious. And you have a Pavlovian thing: if your boss always emails you at eleven o'clock, then you're waiting at eleven o'clock to see that email before you go to bed.
1: Right. Yeah. Absolutely, and, and, and I've been telling Chester to get ready for a triathlon, <laughs> but he just won't because he will perform better. I know that. Yeah. yeah. Hey, hey, Bob, how do people learn more about you and your work? Where would you send them?
2: Uh, yeah, everything's all integrated now. There's a shortcut to the book uh, at EYT, elevate your team, EYT dot com. But they can go to Robert Glazer, G-L-A-Z-E-R dot com. And that's got books and podcasts and Friday forward and all that good stuff on it
1: awesome Awesome. good well you've been talking a lot about leaders and now let's turn it a little bit to the team members um because they play a role too in this idea of elevating the team being a good team member so walk us through a few things if you were sitting down with somebody new on one of your teams tell us tell us what is expected of a team member in able to elevate and build capacity around each other
2: Yeah. Look, I think they need to do their part, particularly around, around learning about if you create a culture that's psychologically safe, then you want to speak up, right? They need to kind of, they need to create the separation. Look, one of the reasons why a lot of people can't take a vacation is because they've created everything to go, go through them. Um, but look, these things also go through cycles. Liz Wiseman, I just talked about this on, on my podcast. I think she had some of the best advice. Like, look, we're in a, you know, two years ago was a very employee led, you know, cycle. I I I think things are gonna get a little tougher. And I think her advice is right now, if I was an employee in any organization, I would be finding out what the most important things are and I would be working on those whether I had permission or not. (laughs) Right? (laughs) I'd move away from the I wanna work, you know, I was on a panel two years ago with someone this is probably at the height of the Great Resignation, and they said, "They said, what do you what do you think is the outlook for twenty twenty two and people want in the workplace?" And I said, "Look, I think flexibility is going to be a key thing that people are going to look for. But i our culture has always been flexibility plus accountability, not one and the other." And a woman on the panel said, "I think people want to work when they want, on what they want, and how they want." And I like couldn't leave that alone. I had to come <laughs> back to that. I was like, then I think those people should go start their own business or go work in the gig exactly. economy?" Because. Being part of a team, how does that work on a basketball team? Does someone walk into Duke and say, I want to shoot when I want? Or how I, being part of a team requires some sacrifices. And I understand when supply and demand gets out of whack, you know, people kind of flex their power. But right now, as an employee, I would be making sure I was focused on the most imp- important things, not the thing I think I'm entitled to do.
0: Excellent. So uh, what advice do you have for leaders who think they don't have time? Or the resources uh, to implement good practices in mental health at work. What do you say to them?
2: I say good luck uh, recruiting <laughs> uh, and with gla- and with glass door and all that stuff because I I think it's just look it it you've got people that don't want to work you've got people leading the workforce you have people going becoming a con- the thing today is you can go be a consultant right yep. you can be a contract yeah. worker gig worker and all this stuff and being part of a team has to have some compelling reason why these are people you want to work with, this is a leader you want to work with, this is something you're getting out of out of the organization. I think if it's just a job, most people can go patch together a whole bunch of freelance, you know, work if they want no emotional attachment. If their boss or leader is a negative influence on their life, uh then they have a they have a lot more opportunities than ever before and I think the workforce is becoming incredibly liquid. So I, I would say in, in, in a real time culture and feedback, like good, good luck building and sustaining a team.
1: So I want to know if you if you live what you preach, Bob. So we're always interested <laughs> no, in the, <laughs> in the self care tactics of people like you who are very successful and you've got lots going on. So so walk us through a few practices you found that help you elevate in your life.
2: Yeah, I, I've talked about this in the book, but I've very consciously focused on sort of a, a, a morning routine. I built this kind of thing called a whole life dashboard a few years ago, which hundreds of people, thousands of people, have downloaded. Uh, it's free on the website. But I take sort of the organizational principles of like what are the values, what are the long term goals, what are the quarterly goals, what are the priorities, and I I look at that every morning, and I go through it, and I realign. In the same way, you know, I've heard, I tell us, so we hear Marshall, like one of the most disciplined people in the world, Marshall Goldsmith, has this person call him every night, you know, to hold him accountable to do the things these days. Like, I, I think re, reallocating. So I try to have that morning routine. I go over my one-sheeter. I look at the values. I look at the quarterly things. I look at the three-year. And the goal is, what are the three things that I need to get done today, like, that help? push towards all these things I said that are, are most important. So I really try to have that process. Um, I'm also a believer in, in the concept of time blocking, uh, why I've never used Calendly or any of those things is that like, that doesn't work with my thing of like, you can't have (laughs) control of my calendar, uh, and (laughs) whatever you want. Like I, I think you put the most important things first on the, it's like the rocks and pebbles. So i i you know there there are times when it to, to meet there's times whatever but when those times are done i don't just remove more time like if you want to work out like put in your calendar it's never just gonna happen so i i sort of work my calendar from the big boulders whether that's family or priorities or elsewhere and then i let the other stuff kind of fill in the the sand um and I don't schedule 100% of my time. When 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 the time that I want to sell is is sort of done for the week and, and I need a lot of that time for quiet and work and whatever, I, I really do protect that.
0: That's excellent advice. So our time has run out. It's gone fast. I knew it would. If there were one or two things you wanted our listeners to, to take away from our talk today, our little session, what would those two things be?
2: Yeah, look, there's a lot of stuff in the book. Um, when I do this, keynote related to this conversation with organizations, I think sometimes there's like an overwhelm of like, how do I, how do I do all this stuff? I'm less of a believer in someone who leaves reading my book or things that I'm going to go change everything. Right. And one of the exercises I have them do is like, what is one thing in each of these areas that you could do next Mm -hmm. week? And maybe if you do that and you see a result, you'll do more. So I'm a much bigger believer in the people who are going to make a bunch of 1% improvements that declare they're going to change everything at once and and kind of start uh, uh, all over so again i i think in the, in this book there are a lot of very specific tangible things i think you could do tomorrow if you want to start making some improvements and then maybe when you see the value of those it makes you want to kind of do some th- do some more things so uh i not you don't have to it doesn't have to be some big grand effort uh in order to start making improvements in these
0: areas Excellent. Hey, listen, it's been great, Bob. He is the author of multiple best selling books Elevate, which is one of my favorites, and now Elevate Your Team. Go to his website, download all his free stuff, and sign up for his Friday newsletter. It will lift you into the weekend, I promise. Bob, thanks so much for your time.
2: Thanks, Chester. Thanks,
1: Adrian. Well, Chess, that was a great Bobcast. Uh, I mean, podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, uh, some great stuff. Let's let's, let's, kind of take this apart a little bit and see what we learned. First off, I think just this analysis, somebody coming out and talking about the steroid growth that we've had is people are now this great reassessment, as you call it, we've had over the last couple of years. People are saying, why do I care to make you and the shareholders a little richer? Um, What's in this for me? So you know, are we building each other? Then we're going to build the company. So that's just a different way of thinking about things.
0: Yeah, I, even when you said, "Why should I care?" <laughs> that's a great yeah. question, right? And then his analogy: if we we got the uh, spaceship to Mars, all the astronauts are dead. <laughs> we got we got the spaceship through. Like, why 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 would why would I do that? He talked about trust, which I thought was so interesting. Yeah, you know, that yeah. level four, level five leader. Um, and getting back to your core values, you know, yeah. what are your core values? And and how does that trigger things in the workplace around trust, about, you know, feeling comfortable with people, reliability, and uh, really stuck out to me. The, 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 my favorite part of the interview, though, was that he said the uh, leader said, you know, it's not just what you say, it's what you do. Yeah. And if you're a leader and you say, I'm on vacation, you can get a hold of me here, here, and here. Yeah. Yeah. Is he really on vacation? To the guy who says, if you really need to get up, here's my wife's cell phone number. Text her and, and she'll let you know what the deal is. Oh, I'm going to use that. That, oh, is, yeah. that is beyond genius. I think
1: that is genius. Yeah. No, I love that. So so terrific stuff, too. And then and I think, you know, getting to this idea, you know, Bob gave a lot of information on, on what leaders can do. You know, in our book, Anxiety at Work, it was for leaders. And yet sometimes we forget to help employees understand the team members Okay, what can you do in this, in this culture that will help create psychological safety? So, you know, first off, make it very safe. In fact, expected behavior to speak up. You know, don't hoard information. So many times we can't go on vacation because I'm the only one who knows how to do this. Right. That shouldn't go on, right? And, right? and I love this idea of find out what the most important thing is and then do that even if it's not you're not supposed to.
0: Right, right. That uh, He said, look, we've always had flexibility with accountability. Yeah. And his analogy of the, the shift from people want to do what they want to do, yeah. from where they want to do it. And he says, how would that work on a basketball team? And it's kind of funny that, well, Kyrie Irving actually tried to do that <laughs> with, with the Brooklyn Nets. And it didn't work. And it caused a, a incredible dysfunction. So great analogy there. My last uh, takeaway is he's a big fa- fan of time blocking. You know, uh, whether it's for family or, you know, yeah. just taking a break during the day and make sure that you make time for yourself and that you don't burn out and and make sure your people are, are developing in their personal lives. Because I love it when I hear somebody's training for a marathon. Yeah. How is that not going to make him a better employee? Yeah. So, you know, that whole life approach that he does so well. I I love learning from Bob Glaser. He's yeah. just so clever, so succinct. And he's funny. Yeah,
1: him. and the, yeah, there's no no uh, guile with Bob. Right. He just tells you as it is. You know he's going to tell you if you've got uh, asparagus in your teeth. Uh, <laughs> and he does that uh, you know so well. So we want to thank Bob for being on the show today. For all of you who've listened in to our producer Brent Klein, to Christy Lawrence who helps us find amazing guests like Bob Glazer. Um, if you like the podcast, please share it. And we'd also love you to visit our website, thecultureworks.com for a bunch of free resources.
0: Yeah, and buy our books, Anxiety at Work and Leading with Gratitude. We'd love to have those in your hands as well. And we love speaking to audiences all around the world, whether it's in person or virtual. I think we've presented like 45 different countries at this point. So give us a call. We'd like to talk to you and your people, whether it's culture, uh, you know, emotional and, and anxiety at work, gratitude and building great teams. Well, as always, thank you so much for tuning in. We so value your time that you would take the time to spend it with us. So, Adrian... Bring us some.
1: Well, thanks, everybody, for joining us today. And until next time, we wish you the best of mental health.